Hello and welcome to the Upgrade School Marketing Podcast. I am Matt Solon, the Director of Marketing Communications at Chapel Hill Chauncey Hall School. And I'm Angie Ward. I'm the founder of Enroll Media Group, a digital marketing agency for schools. What's going on, Angie? Should we get a recorded version of that someday? Yeah, so then we don't have to keep saying the same thing every every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good idea. (laughs) I feel like we don't have to think about it now. It just kind of like happens, but I feel like, you know, maybe we'll... uh... We'll look into it. So in the future, if you see uh, if people hear a nice professional intro, uh, that'll be from us. Uh, so how's it going, Angie? What's new? It's going great. It is spring is right around the corner. Everything's going great. Keeping busy. Busy's good. We're going to yep. see each other in person at the conference next week. It's been yep. years. So that's cool. Small boarding school. And there's going to be a small boarding school conference is unique in that it is a, it's a mixture of admissions and marketing people from schools, but then it's also a lot of consultants go. So we're going to be asking questions uh, of consultants. We're going to kind of be doing like kind of on the fly interviews with consultants about things that they want to hear and see from schools. So that'll be an upcoming episode. But uh, so any consultants out there or if anyone has any questions they would like asked of consultants, um, you know, you can leave a comment and let us know. We'll ask them when we see them at uh, SBSA for sure. Awesome. Um, so it's going to be a good one. Today, Angie, we're talking. It's our first episode about fundraising that we've done. Done a lot of marketing, done a lot of talk about all aspects of that um, technology, social media and now uh, fundraising, which. A hugely important thing and you know as we'll talk about in this in this conversation it's a topic that doesn't usually get sort of the the level of marketing talk that it deserves right enrollment is you know what everybody seems to be focused on when it comes to school marketing but school marketers have such a big hand in the fundraising side of things too so we need to talk about that so hopefully today's episode will be really helpful for our listeners as it relates to their fundraising efforts um, so we have two guests today. I'm super excited about them. Yes. And uh, we found these guests before we give them uh, their bios and, and introduce them. Um, they recently presented, which they'll talk about a little bit on on uh, ditching your uh, auction, ditching your auction. So that was a presentation they did. So, you know, they really are are looking into how to modernize and make fundraising more equitable for schools, how it can reach more people, but it, while reaching more people, also raising more overall, mm-hmm. getting more leadership dollars while also bringing in more smaller gifts from young alumni and doing all of that at the same time. So it's really exciting to hear that outlined, not just in theory, but also how it actually worked. And so we're going to be hearing from um, Emma Bellina, who is the Director of Annual Giving and Parent Relations at the Thatcher School in Ojai, California. Uh, Despite incredible headwinds over the last three years, Emma has led record-breaking annual fund for Thatcher while growing her team and increasing parent engagement. She has been working in independent schools since 2009, specializing in annual and leadership giving, parent engagement, and volunteer management. And she began her career and development at Pacific Ridge School in Carlsbad, California. She worked at Berwick Academy in South Berwick, Maine, and has been at the Thatcher School since 2018. Uh, Emma graduated from the University of Maine and got her MBA from the University of Massachusetts. 
Great. We're also talking to Holman Gao. He is the founder and CEO at Boost My School, the most complete payment solution for K-12 advancement teams. Holman's fundraising career started when he built the first version of the Boost platform to modernize his high school's alumni giving. Since then, Boost has grown to help independent schools and faith-based schools raise over $50 million a year for their annual giving, capital campaigns, and fundraising events. So let's jump into our conversation with Holman and Emma. Hey, Emma and Holman, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Great. Right. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. You were on the first, the first ever fundraising themed episode that we've had yet. So we've been talking about this for a while um, and we really wanted to do one. So we're super excited to have you both on to talk, talk about fundraising, combine it with marketing and technology. So it's a really exciting talk. Um, I saw you guys presented, you presented, um, presented this, right? We did. Yeah. We presented at the Case NEIS conference in New York at the end of January. Nice. How was that? How was the experience there? Oh, it's fun. I had like a pretty <laughs> packed room and a lot of engaging conversation. And it's clearly a topic people are interested in and want to yeah. learn how to ditch their auction. And so yep. made a revolution begin. I know. That's it. You had me. You had me at, at ditching the auction. That's what I was looking <laughs> through. And I saw that and immediately sent it to Angie. I was like, we got to talk to them. We got to talk to them about this. <laughs> yeah, this is a great um, topic. I'm really excited about this discussion today. Yeah. So so before jumping into, you know, like what ditching the auction means and how, you know, how you did it. And that's what we'll go through, like what you actually did and the results of that. Um, first, Emma, I was just wondering, so, you know, you're at Thatcher. Um, can you tell me a little bit about Thatcher and just what what fundraising means there? Like, what is it a part of, of your school? Yeah. So just for some background, Thatcher is a um, boarding high school. So grades 9 through 12. We're in Ojai, California. So small, little, rural beautiful mountain community. Uh, we've got about 250 students, um, pretty split evenly by gender. Uh, we've got over half of our students self-identify as kids of color and nearly a third of them are receiving financial aid. So very diverse community here. Um, Thatcher is a bit of an outlier in its reliance on fundraising and philanthropy. Most independent, well, at all independent schools, tuition doesn't cover the full cost of educating students. And so an annual fund exists to help make up some of that difference in operating. And most schools will see between eight and 11% of their operating revenue come from annual funds and annual giving. And Thatcher actually has 20% of its operating budget coming from fundraising each year. Um, and then 30% comes from the endowment. So the way we're structured, it's like half tuition, 20% annual fund, 30% endowment, um, but it just, you know, the annual funds are really the only variable revenue source we have. And so as needs change and increase, direct donations is where we have to lean in the most. That's great. And then, um, so it has a huge, huge role in the school. And what have, what like historically, you know, quickly, like what historically has been, you know, your methods for your, for your annual fund? Like how have you raised that, that money? So a lot of just direct outreach to the community. We do mailed appeals and um, we had an auction for a number of years tailored to the parent audience. And it wasn't a great auction to start with, to be completely honest. It happened during one of the family weekends. There was no alcohol, students were there. And so it was like not your traditional auction to begin with. Sure. Um, and, you know, we have since like incorporated texting and like giving challenges too. And so, you know, it was, it was a very traditional 
fundraising model previously. Nice. I, I wanted to ask Holman, um, you've recently presented on the topic called uh, Ditch Your Auction. And so why do you think schools should rethink some of the traditional methods of fundraising? Yeah, we, we always look at like two broader themes at play. I would say one big one is the attention that that are that's going from through your donors in terms of not just other nonprofits soliciting, like it's no longer you only give to the places that are in your community. There's now it's all happening online. So there's there's a lot more attention at play. And the other one is shifting from a, what we call a transactional based fundraising to impact driven fundraising. Uh, so back to the first part, if, if there's if you're if there's more people competing for your donors money, you really have to understand the why, like why are people giving? And the, the why is what's great about schools. It's so unique to the experience that you had as a kid, or if you're a parent experience that your kids are going through. And mm -hmm. so that shift of going from, Oh, I'm going to donate because like auctions are great. Well, every other nonprofit usually are thinking about auctions. Whereas the why of like donating to Thatcher and experience uh, things that are unique to Thatcher, that's unique to you. And that will last for longer and be more efficient in terms of fundraising. And so, so Holman, when, you know, so boost, boost my school, um, your company. So what is it that you're providing for, for schools? Like, what are you, what are you giving schools? Like, what does it look like from the school side, from the parent side? Like, what are you giving them? Yeah, great question. So yeah. what we've done is we make it easy for schools to create uh, what we call like a pay modern payment page. So that could consist of giving, uh, so supporting giving challenges, but also even like golf outings or reunions, they can create a registration page. And what's cool is that just by clicking a few buttons, you immediately open up payment options like Apple Pay, Venmo, uh, we even do Bitcoin. Uh, but these are things that you don't, need to understand any of the tech. Uh, you don't need to code anything and just schools and set it up, get access to things that uh, even like schools like Princeton or, or, or things like Amazon, the, this technology they're using. And we're seeing around 40% of donors now pay through these alternative payment methods. And it's just helping schools modernize their giving programs. So for, that was 40% are using things like Venmo and Apple Pay. To... Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So, and Emma, have you seen, um, you know, at, at Thatcher, have you been seeing like an increase in people wanting to pay in those, in those ways? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. We used to, you know, we use Razor's Edge and we had used their giving platform for a long time. Um, we've made the switch now over to Boost and it just has really transformed the donor experience. Conversion rates are higher. Tracking and reporting is better and more immediate. So it's been a big help for us. Yeah. So, and then, so to dig in a little bit, because I mean, you guys, you guys had me at, at uh, ditching the auction. So I really want to, I want to understand. So, you know, you were having live events where you were asking the audience to bid on, on big ticket things, right? So what has changed? Like, what if, what does it look like now? Like, what does it look like now? Is it still an event, but there's virtual elements to it? Is it an online only campaign? Like, what is it looking like now? So we've iterated and if it's helpful, I can kind of walk through a little bit of what that looks like because it wasn't just a like, oh, COVID happened and you know, now we're doing this whole new thing. Like yep. we had been wanting to ditch the auction for a long time and our board actually led that conversation back in 2019. And we went to a 
still an event, in-person event, but we did mobile bidding and we did a mobile paddle raise. And so we eliminated the public display of wealth, which was really important for our community. Um, and then COVID happened, which actually was the biggest gift ever. And so we had to completely transform that event because you know that our event was in May, COVID happened in March. And we had this moment of like, oh my God, that's $800,000 in revenue that we need to make up real quick. How are we going to do that? Um, and so, you know, we got creative and thought about the things that we knew we needed to keep from the auction. We had volunteers already in place. So how are we going to like still engage volunteers? And we pivoted to a week-long community giving challenge that had virtual event components. And, you know, we did virtual dinners on that kickoff night with former faculty, with teachers, with parents, with alums. And then we went into like every day focused on a different constituency group. And so like the first day we focused on faculty and staff giving and set up some challenges and matches to incentivize them. The next day we focused on current parents. And so all of our social media posts were based on like current student experience. Um, we had specific challenges set up just for parents. And then we shifted to our alums and did some special stuff for reunion alums. And then the last day we called the big pickup challenge, which is a playoff of a horse event that we do here. Um, and it was for the entire community to help reach our goals and our milestones. Um, and then, you know, alongside that, we had some like speaker series that we were doing. We were having some like live cams from campus, trying to bring people back to Thatcher during a time when they couldn't get here on their own. Um, this year we're shifting and getting rid of the virtual event component now that the event has brand recognition. Um, and we're just going to make it a fundraising challenge for this year. Cool. And yeah, I think it, it's interesting to think about all the, we've had like some of the same talks about, you know, the forced like creativity that had to come out of keeping things running when all of a sudden it is like just a clean cut of live events and like, what are you going to do? And totally. the things that, yeah, there were definitely things that like it forced us to do with you know virtual events and things that you know we did just because you have you're in that spot and you have to figure it out how you're going to do this but then like you know when after you do it you look back and say like wow and, and like similar a lot of ways like that actually worked better and we were able to reach yeah. more people and we were able to have people Absolutely. from you know or boarding school as well and have people who joined in because we made it like a virtual event first we were able to have everybody join in so it's interesting like the those kind of nuggets that you get out of that of like what what benefits you get. So yeah. as far as, so just talking a little bit more about that and we'll, we'll go into like the um, specific, you know, steps I know you guys have outlined and like how to kind of assess your own giving and how to, how to transform it. Um, but I was just wondering, so like with the changes you made, you know, we've talked a lot about participation. We have, you know, and it feels like you have a trade-off. You have like a participation campaign or goal, or you have like a, like an amount that you're trying to get. And it usually is like two separate things. But I know it sounds like from what you've done, your experiences, you kind of got both in there. You got more. So I'm just wondering, so result-wise, like did you, what did you see? So we too focus on donors and dollars. And you know, when it comes right down to it, which one's the most important? And they both are for different reasons. And we saw an 850% increase in participation for the donor count. It was the first year that we had seen an increase in alumni participation. Many schools have been seeing decreases in alumni participation over the last several years. And this bucked that trend, which was really exciting for us. On the revenue side, 
you know, and just before you go, are, before you go on the sure. revenue. So with that 850% increase, um, you know, what do you think like of other things that you did? What do you think was really drawn in, in these new alumni donors? I think it was soliciting them, honestly, because the auction was just for parents and people who could physically be on campus. We had had an online silent auction as part of the auctions previously, but, you know, it didn't really engage that many people and it just, you know, it raised a lot of money, but from the wealthy few in the community. And so I think just being really proactive in our outreach, explaining to the alumni community what was happening and why we were making the changes we were. Um, it just really brought people in. And it also was a time when people were really leaning in and digging into philanthropy and their alma maters just to keep them open during COVID too and like keep things going. So I think there were a lot of factors at play, but we just, we solicited them <laughs> was the main difference, yeah. which we yeah. hadn't done. It before. wasn't an afterthought. It was like, it was part it of was the- It was built into the plan. Yeah. Part of the plan. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and one thing I, I wanted to add here is that uh, I remember looking at the, the numbers in terms of the- I think like how many was it that went to the auction was like in, in the hundreds in terms of families that went. Yeah. Uh, and then on the I remember on the Walker Bell page, there just even the people that visited, not the people that gave, was over a thousand. I think it was like almost a thousand five hundred people. So you yeah. look at that's a huge wow. shift, and it's because of moving it digitally. Uh, and I think another stat was really exciting was to see I think it was around like forty percent of the people that visited the page gave, and I think that highlights the like highlighting, like showing the impact that Thatcher created, like using the videos, uh, seeing the yeah. other people that gave, uh, it just it really propels that momentum. You're like, you want to be part of a winning team and you're really excited. And that really comes up digitally when so many people are involved. Oh, totally. And we use the, um, well, we use leaderboards, which is fun. So that created kind of a competitive spirit among alum classes and certainly among the parent grades because they're like oh my gosh the junior class is beating us and they're like come on everybody like let's rally and you know is that something that was set up in the in boost my school is that something yeah yeah okay yeah so we could do the class leaderboards for alums and for parents which is really motivating and then we also um, boost has a comment page and a comment board that was really useful and so people were posting you know, archival pictures and they were posting pictures of them and their friends and, That's you know, so cool. leaving tributes to their favorite faculty and staff and just sharing like how much a bachelor education meant to them. And so that too just generated a lot of really positive momentum for us. Yeah, I think so. This is one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on here is because I feel like in Angie, I'd like to hear what you think too, like in talking about landing pages and talking about conversion rates, that almost in all the marketing talk and everything I've done, it's always about admissions. It's always about, mm. you know, bringing in new families and converting them to a tour. And convert. I feel like when it comes to fundraising, a lot of times it's like, let's put a form up on a page and <laughs> it can have 35, do all 35 fields that they have yeah. to like click through buttons that are like all over the place. And, mm-hmm. and then like, they'll go there and they'll figure it out. And like, I feel like I really like the fact that like going through like, your site and your presentation that you did, like you guys are like, you know, you're talking about bringing in, you know, a thousand people to the, to the landing page versus a hundred people to an event. But then you're focused on like, what's the conversion rate of those people and how are we converting them and what videos doing that? Like, it's a really, I think it's like a, a really good shift that we should be thinking about as far as like thinking about fundraising and the same attention and the, all the skills and the lessons we're learning with admissions and, and that applying the same in both worlds. 
Yeah, you need a marketing strategy for your fundraising efforts, just like you do for your enrollment marketing efforts, for sure. And, you know, I, I worked in higher ed for a while before um, and, and during my time working with independent schools. And and I think they kind of had a handle on, you know, investing, whether it's ad campaign dollars and for an advertising campaign, email marketing campaign, the technology infrastructure in place to be able to solicit and um, get these uh, donations. So I love that Boost My School is really bringing this to the, the K through 12 space as well, because it is that forward thinking methodology that you need to apply today for fundraising. Um, so that's great. I'm, I'm curious, uh, Emma, because you're talking about a lot of great things, both some of which the school um, had never done before. And how did you initially get buy-in from the school community when you said, hey, we're changing things up and, and maybe Holman had had a hand in that. Um, but <laughs> I'd love to hear from you how you got that buy-in. Um, well, our board, we were fortunate. Our board really led the process back in 2019. And, you know, they were the ones putting the items into the auction. They were ultimately the ones who were bidding on the auction. It was like all about the board members and the wealthy um, community members. And so you know, we had a few really brave trustees who were like, you know, this just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. We really aren't like we're a humble school with humble roots and this whole public display of wealth in front of students and families just really doesn't feel true to the mission and the values of the school. So they tasked the development office with coming up with a creative solution. And, you know, we honestly, we're a little afraid to pivot entirely because it's a huge shift and it's a really big risk and auctions typically and event fundraisers really bring in a lot of money that's critical for schools. Um, you know, and so we iterated and we did the like mobile stuff at first. And we're like, okay, what did we learn from that? We just got rid of the live auction entirely. And so we put more of an effort into major gift fundraising that year, knowing that we'd be down about 300,000 in event revenue. Um, and then we really had to make the shift during COVID. And so for us, it started with the board. You know, we came up with a plan. We brought it back to the board, to the leadership team. We got volunteers to buy in. Those people who, you know, are auction chairs, people who loved nothing more than to like set up tables the weekend of the event. And, you know, we just shared that we were making changes and explained the why and said, you know, we've got these new roles for you that we would love to have you engage and participate with. And you know, we got everybody on board that way. That's great. Excellent. And, and we, um, you know, I want to make sure you can, you can finish it. You uh, started talking about the, uh, you're talking about the percentage of people uh, participating, but then you were also going to talk about the results in the end. And I'm just wondering that in, in context of what you just said about like leadership giving. So, you know, how did this affect your overall fundraising amounts and, you know, again, like the, the fear that I would have, you know, in jumping like this, and I know the, the questions that would come up are, you know, how much of a percent comes from these these big ticket items? Well, it is it is difficult to get there. And it is, you know, a few people who are doing these things like it is a significant chunk of fundraising. Um, so by switching like this, how did that affect? You know, it's great. You got a, a lot more alumni, the 850 percent more of those, which assuming, you know, are some of the smaller bids and like our, our gifts that are coming in and Venmo and Apple Pay, how did it affect um, your overall giving and the, the kind of leadership gifts that you get? I'm really glad you asked that because we saw really tremendous shifts in growth there as well. So overall revenue increased 40% 
from the time we went from an auction to the online, the Walker Bell Challenge. And then among our leadership donors, they're giving increased by 160%. So more than doubled our leadership giving, which was huge. And again, we were able to engage a much broader audience. And so we were going to, you know, our parents were pretty self-explanatory. The auction was for them. And so we essentially went to our, you know, lead parent donors and we're like, hey, we're getting rid of the auction. You know, you normally would give twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars during the paddle raise. We're pivoting, and we're going to do this online giving challenge. We would love to still have your twenty-five or fifty thousand dollar gift to the school, and we're going to use it to help incentivize others in the community by setting up a pool of challenge funds. The money is still going to go to financial aid because we know that that's important, um, and we're just making some, some shifts in order to make this event more inclusive and accessible for more people in the community, um, and then we were able to bring that same message to our alumni donors. And so it was, you know, hey, John, you know, you've been giving 10,000 to the annual fund every year. We would love to, A, have you renew your gift or even increase it. We're starting this new giving challenge. We're looking for a pool and a group of leaders in the community who can help put together a challenge fund to help bring more people into supporting the school. And so we, again, were able to bring a broad major gift strategy or a major gift strategy to the broader community and that then helps incentivize and drive our participation numbers. Yeah, uh, and then one thing I just wanted to quickly chime in with is that that's something, I mean, that's what we always recommend, like getting the buy-in from the community first before just making that shift. And if the you have the leadership gifts on board, I would say we, we generally see that across our customers too. Well, once you make the shift and people are, are bought in, what's cool is that the same type of emotional energy you get at an event, you can still feel virtually like some of these leadership gift give uh, major givers will will be like refreshing the page all the time to see the momentum and that might propel them to even add on to their challenge gift which is really exciting we've seen just organic gifts come out of nowhere because of there are thousands of people supporting and you didn't know that even the community had a thousand, that was that that wide of a community that's that's awesome to hear yeah especially with challenges like we talk about that a lot is you know like if you're if you're a person who's putting up a challenge, you want to see that it's making an impact and creating something to happen. And to be able to see it live on a web page and a dashboard and see the comments coming in would make you feel great to to see all that happening live. Um, so just a little like internal office talk of, you know, we're all about when we talk about a lot of our marketing um talk, again, it's a lot about working smart and figuring out how you're using your time in the best way. So I know. One aspect of an auction is, you know, which you've talked about is when you're in the room and it's how that works and who it's bringing in and how many people it connects to. But I also know it's a ton of work behind the it scenes really to get all of these secured and figure out dates for vacation homes or tickets to of sports events and what the what the limitations are and communicating them and putting descriptions out and all the it's a lot of work in that. So have you seen obviously less work on that and allowing you to put time into into what else like how have you you know like what is that allowing you to put your time into yeah that's a great question so we you know for us it took gosh probably six months to pull together the auction and it was weekly and monthly meetings you know from the fall all the way through the spring and like planning this and you know getting all that set up we pulled the walker bell challenge together in that first year in a month and so it went from a six month runway to a one month runway. Wow. We were spending over $100,000 just to put on the event. And now we're spending less than $20,000. 
to put on the Walker Bell Challenge. So major time savings, major cost savings. And that really has freed up our time to meet with more major donors. So over the course of time that the Walker Bell Challenge has happened, you know, when I started at Thatcher four years ago or four and a half years ago, we had a 3.9 to $4 million annual fund, which is still very impressive. Um, now we are over a $5 million annual fund. So we were able to use that time to grow our other fundraising and like, you know, leadership giving overall to help accelerate and maximize results for the school. That's great. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's when I read that. That's kind of my initial thing is like, it seems like you're able to have like a much better, more efficient use of this time that's going to impact more people and have better results in the end than securing a bunch of big ticket items. Um, Holman, I had a, I had a follow-up question for you too. And just in working with a lot of schools that you've worked with and seeing the behind the scenes info on this, if you were to talk to somebody who is at a small school right now uh, in advancement development, marketing, what's something that you would recommend that they do like right away that they need to take a look at in their fundraising to make, you know, an impact as soon as they can? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. I would say with, with, with any small team, we wouldn't recommend like completely shifting the strategy. I think that this, that's, we, I remember like, I was like, Angie, you were asking about like why I was laughing during the other part about the buy-in is that everyone was afraid of like, what like what would leadership say about making this shift? So I would say the biggest thing is just identify one particular aspect that, that will move you in the right direction and then just build on that year over year. It could be a tech platform. I mean, obviously we're, we're biased at boost that, we, we feel that by just even working with one vendor, you get access to all these modern technologies, you get access to text, text to give, but there are also other software or other companies like consulting companies that make a difference. So it's just identifying one thing that could push you in the direction and just having the, like the three-year vision, but doing the, the first step first. Gotcha. Great advice. Yeah, even if it's just adding like the mobile bid, like the mobile pay and those things, like just figuring out those things and then now, how do you spread that a little bit more? And how I, I feel like that makes it a little bit more baby steps. Exactly. Yeah, or even uh, <laughs> like what Emma was mentioning with the, the leaderboards and the class aspects. Yeah. Like one of the things that we see is that a lot of the customers before they sign on to Boost, they've actually done a lot of that outside, like through spreadsheets and they would post it on the websites. Obviously there's like some time sync there, but you can do some of these strategies uh, in-house uh, and just get, test it out in your community to see if they're effective before you invest in a platform as well. If I can add one thing to that too, I think one thing that um, was a gift from COVID is just reevaluating our values. And like Thatcher made a lot of changes and our the changes we've made were led from our values and like what was really important to us as a school and that we provided with the community. And so we made changes from that place, which I think really helped to fuel our results too. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, you know, I've sort of been hearing a, a lot of things on the challenge front. Um, as we know, it can be very time intensive and you need to get buy-in, but are there any other challenges or advice you could provide to a school who's really thinking about changing the way they fundraise? You know, for us, just making <laughs> little changes like we led from an equity lens in making these shifts. And so we really looked at all of our events and you know who is, who is this event designed for and who is it not? And how can we bring more and different people 
into these spaces who may not feel like they inherently belong or that you know this has been a welcoming place for them in the past. We made changes to our annual report and like focused way more on impact stories. And now honestly, we don't even do an annual report. Like we feel like we're sharing impact throughout the year. Um, we're not gonna do donor roles anymore, like certainly by giving level. Um, and so we just have really leaned hard into equity because that's what was really important to our team. So those are some other changes that teams can make too. But again, it was all leading from our values. Got it. Yeah, and one thing I would add to that is going back to the buy-in piece, just just talking to different constituent groups and seeing like where their head is at. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty crazy to think about how like alumni, especially in K twelve, like some young alumni alums are like Gen Z, and some parents are millennials. So like the the, the shift is happening, just getting understanding of what social media they're using or how they communicate or whether how they like to pay in other forms outside of the school will inform you of, oh, if everyone is on phones and we see this, uh, I think there's a stat that 90% of people open up their text message, but only 20% of people open up their email. Like understanding those dynamics can help guide a decision shift in terms of how you fundraise. Yeah, and we have been using texting a lot more to help engage younger alums and parents. Um, and then one of the first small shifts we made was to our Young Alum Giving Challenge, and we just opened up a Venmo page. And even just getting Venmo really amplified the results. So that was like a really small, easy change we made that a shop of any size could implement and see pretty immediate results from. Oh, those are great points. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like we um, could, you know, have another conversation about this maybe this fall. Um, so this has been so helpful. Emma and Holman, thank you for joining us. How can our listeners slash viewers um, get in touch with you guys? Holman? Yeah, you can, I would say LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. You can email me, holman at boostmyschool.com. If you're specifically interested in our platform, you can feel free to book a website on boostmyschool.com and I'll, I'll, we'll respond to any channel. Awesome. And Emma? And I'm available on LinkedIn, Emma Bellina, or on the Thatcher School website. You can also reach me via email at ebellina, B-A-L-I-N-A at thatcher.org. Thank you both so much for coming. I'm already excited to come back and edit this and listen to all this even in more detail to <laughs> slow it down and, and take it all in. Cause I think uh, there is a ton here to, to take and to talk to teams that, that I know we've already been talking. We've already excited. Our team here has been excited about this talk because we're going to listen to it. So hi to my team. Who's probably listening to this <laughs> in the future. Uh, we're excited. Just to, It's a really important thing that I think doesn't uh, come up in the marketing world enough. So I definitely think we should make this a regular thing and and catch up on how these are all going. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Matt and Andy. This has been a blast and really appreciate the opportunity to get the word out. Thank you again to Emma and Holman for joining in. Um, I was loving every minute of this. I think there are, again, I, I am excited to come back through this and take notes on this one. I know for a fact that I will be bringing this talk to a meeting with notes and, and reviewing it with our development crew and, and, uh, kind of comparing and seeing what people are doing. And I think we're gonna have more follow-up with Emma after this. 
Oh, definitely. They were both fantastic guests and so open to having other schools reach out to them with any questions. Um, so they were just so grateful we could have them on today. I learned so much just mm -hmm. in that 20 minute conversation. That was great. And just to hear that you can, you can increase your fundraising. They got 850% growth in the amount and the number of people who are giving. Um, they spent less time on doing that. And I, I really was actually thinking a lot about the 80, 20 rule during, during her talk about, you know, auctions and how much time they would spend on that. And I feel like that really applies to this. It might even be the 90, 10 rule in, in fundraising sometimes where you spend, you know, 80%, 90% on, of your time on the things that are bringing in 10 to 20% of your, your dollars. So I think that that's a really important thing to kind of look at and to analyze and, to question and see what you can can change. Yeah, definitely. Great episode. But before we leave our viewers today, who is our A plus of the episode? What's yeah. doing outstanding work in the field we, of school marketing? For sure. We have a very cool one. Um, you'll be able to see it in the episode notes here. And it is from Girls Preparatory School and it's their upper school yearbook. So um, this just stood out as something that is you know seen a lot of view books at Chapel Hill. We we redid our our view book uh, this past year, so we've spent a lot of time talking and looking at at uh, view books. But they just did a really cool job of making it fun and definitely focused and and targeted to the students. It's got like fun quotes throughout, and the colors and the graphics and the photos and everything throughout are just super fun. Like it makes makes the school, uh, you know, the attitude of the school come through the attitude of the students. Um, you just kind of feel the the spirit of the school. And uh, I really recommend giving it a read just just for the design for the out the out the layout, the all of it. Um, so check out the girls preparatory school upper school view book uh, in the links to this show and great work to them. Yeah, GPS did a great job. I'm I'm really happy for them. Definitely check it out. Um, they're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we'll leave a link in the show notes to that view book for everybody to check out. We'll have to have them on a show. Maybe we'll have them on a show coming up. If you're listening to, to this GPS. Yes. That's a good Come future episode. How to build your view book in house and work there as a go. team. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all for listening uh, again. Yes. Yeah, so you can find uh, this episode and more on all the places where podcasts are posted uh, and definitely go to the website uh, upgradeschoolmarketing.com and subscribe because we send an email out early to people who subscribe and get to, to see that early. And we're on LinkedIn as well, where you can reach out, suggest some future topics, or if you want to be a future guest, we find our guests on there as well. So thank you all so much. Yes. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.